either Penn State football's back and and Great Match Generator's back. So welcome to Great Match Generator here. Beast Mike and Greg are both Penn State alum as we are here to talk about three great matches because the fourth one I couldn't find anywhere. I actually could find it, but I would have to get a DVD file and then convert into a MP4 and it would be too much work for my computer setup right now. So we're going to do it another week. I put it back in the generator. So, so it will come up again, but but if you if you were looking forward to our thoughts on the one count four one eight woman tag, um, unfortunately this week wasn't destined to line up with us. But I'm here with Beast Mike and Greg. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, like like B Cooks is saying, uh, we back we back on Saturday afternoon at three thirty. Uh, they will be in. Bloomington, that we play the Indiana Hoosiers this week. Uh, thanks to the chaos and the man that happened beforehand, Penn State will be ranked eighth in the country going into the game. Unfortunately, uh, Greg, and I know you know this too, I'm sure, Journey Brown will not be playing in the game. Uh, he's got a little bit of an illness uh, situation that he has to deal with. But uh, I have faith in Noah Kane and the Lawn Boys. I think the Lawn Boys will be able to still be productive, even without the best one of them all in Journey. I'm just, yeah. I'm just scratching my, I'm just scratching my, um, sorry, Greg. I'm just scratching my chin right now because where's Notre Dame ranked right now? Notre Dame is, I believe, third. Yep. Uh, I believe but, yeah, buddy. Third. Yep. Uh, I'm just dancing. Georgia got housed by Alabama. Uh, Georgia got handled by Alabama. Notre Dame was able to slide into the number three spot without playing. Well, actually, I, I did play on, on Saturday and barely beat Florida State. But um, you guys are third in the country right now, which is setting up Louisville. For Louisville, unfortunately, you guys and Clemson. It's setting up for an ultra showdown between you guys and Clemson in a couple weeks uh, at South Bend. So, uh, I'm anticipating college game. They'll be there. Uh, matter of fact, it's uh, it's November seventh. So yeah, you guys got the week Clemson's after Halloween. Two, yeah, you guys got two weeks to prepare. Uh, you got two weeks to uh, to get through, and then you get uh, Notre Dame on November 7th, and that will likely – I mean, I'd expect both teams to probably run it back in Charlotte for the big for the ACC title, but this is round one of, I think, a two-round series between you guys and, and Clemson. Yes. But, Greg, what were you going to – Oh, uh, you guys pretty much covered it. I'm excited for Penn State football to come back. Um... Yeah, Journey Brown, big loss. He was kind of a dark horse Heisman guy, but uh, if there's one position we can afford to lose somebody, it's running back. So, Devin Ford, Noah Kane. I actually had a class with Devin Ford last year. Uh, he's, he's a good dude. He's, he's a good guy. He's uh, I, I, some of the players over the last uh, couple years while I was up there. Good people they are, and I, I think they're going to be. This this looks like a very good team, even without Micah. Uh, even without Micah and uh, Journey, I think this is still going to be a very good team. This is a really good defense. I think the running game is going to be very is going to be just fine. Be coming back. Yeah, definitely a really yeah. good. We're going to be in the, the running for a lot of stuff. Um, as for Notre Dame, um, 
I don't trust any of those rankings until the Big Ten and Pac-12 play. <laughs> yeah, I, no, you know what? That's a good point. I think it's a very, very good point. Once, once Ohio, once, uh, once we all we start on Saturday, and then, and then two weeks later, the uh, Big Twelve will start. Or the, the the Pac-12 will start. I think that's a, I think that's a very fair point. The Big Twelve has been horrendous, though. Big, <laughs> let's, let's just State's let's just call it as it is. Oklahoma State's the only hope for that conference. That's the one hope standing. Uh, for the Big 12. OU's lost twice. Texas lost twice. Like, it, it's it's bad uh, for that conference, except for Chubba Harbert and his crew. They're going to have to survive the rest of the way through to have a shot. But enough college football talk. Let's talk some shoot style and some classic 80s wrestling here. Um, overall, your th- overall, what were your impressions this week as we watched... Um, some shoot sounds, some 80s wrestling. The matches were Keita and Alexander Otsuka from 11.597, um, Greg Valentine and Bob Backlund from 4.23.84, and Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Henning from 5.287. Were there any, were there I, any I overall the, themes? I like the Japanese match the, I like the Japanese match the best of the three. Uh, I think the uh, the speed and the fluidity of of that match I thought was to me I like I like how entertaining that was I just like the style like how how quick the counters were and and, and the and the yeah. were on early on uh, especially that transition into that looked like a knee a knee bar slash heel type of type of submission uh, yes that. That, that, that was so smooth uh, I, I love that. Then we got physical with the suplexes in it, and the, the close, those close arms were really, really stiff. I, I was a fan of that match, most of all. I was... I was let's talk about Ikeda Otsuka first. Um, I really enjoyed this match. This was my favorite shoot style match we have delved into so far um, because they were so active in yes. their submissions and in the striking game. There was even a flip dive that was believable in the match. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. What were your thoughts, that. Greg? Um, so first of all, just to make sure, because again, everything was in Japanese. Uh, Daisuke was the guy in the black trunks? Yes. Okay. Daisuke Ikeda was in the black trunks, and Otsuko was in the blue trunks. Um, I thought this was... Blue really- singlet. I thought it was a really, really interesting uh, match uh, to watch uh, because, especially early on, there was virtually no crowd noise. Mm-hmm. And just the way it was kind of shot, it, it really looked like I was watching an Olympic amateur-style wrestling match. Yes. It did feel like that. Yeah, it did. Yeah, there was really no crowd noise until like they, they had an exchange, and then they separate, and the crowd would kind of give their applause, and then they would go back in. And the crowd would go back to style. Yeah, that was, that was something to notice. And, and, and I'm not saying it was because they were obviously like so into it. They were just kind of like enthralled. But like it was it was very quiet. It was like watching a real like sport, not like an entertainment sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then uh, but then I, I was immediately taken away from amateur wrestling into kickboxing when I saw Dice K's kicks. Oh, my God. Woo. <laughs> Daisuke Ikeda's kicks are freaking incredible. He looked like a straight-up kickboxer, and I was yes. really impressed. 
Those kicks hit home. Those clotheslines I skate through, they hit home. Like you, you can you can hear the clotheslines hit the chest. And how hard, how stiff those those clotheslines were. The stomps too. The yeah. stomps that IKO was hitting later in the match were really stiff too. It was definitely a striker get grappler match. Right. Yeah. And then I thought it was really interesting. Uh, about halfway through, I think it was, um, Atsuka starts uh, working on the leg to try and take away those kicks. And mm-hmm. that, he had a thick dragon screw. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was saying before. That, that, dra- that transitioned into the dragon screw into what looked like a knee bar or, or a heel hook. Because he, de- he definitely did have the heel hook, didn't he? Yeah. I, I, that, was, that was really, really nice. I, I thought Otsuka wouldn't stay down. I thought the theme of the match was Otsuka not wanting to stay down. Pretty much. Um, and, like, him, like, trying to to not stay down. I, I really liked the lariat into the armbar counter. Yep. Later on in the match, and then it led to the suplexes, the, the dropkick, and then the last two suplexes were vicious. Yes. I'll say that one does good the match. Better than probably anybody I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Those dragon suplexes were they did vicious. not miss. Ooh, high and tight in the back of the head. Yeah, they did not miss. And I, I felt like overall sense of urgency very urgent. Yes. And this is a point I've been hitting on since we've been on this air. I like sense of urgency. I like I like wrestlers going after things. I like and I thought that was the theme in these three matches as well. Um were wrestlers were very urgent to attack. Especially in this match. I, this was my favorite match of the three, but but all three were, um, and we'll get to it later, um, very urgent in, in how they, um, it felt like a struggle. I would say so. Uh, I think, uh, I would say so. I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely, especially this one, um, I think you said earlier, uh, that it felt like the theme was Atsuka, like, just not giving up. And especially at the end, um, he was on spaghetti legs, and I just, like, like he wouldn't give up. You're right. He, he just kept getting back up. And I actually, at one point, was asking myself, is this a last man standing match? Because he That's was that like. get back. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it like. sort of was. And it sort of was because those rules are so different than the traditional wrestling rules. But but at the same time, he's got the three count. And they mix in those shoot style and pro wrestling rules so well. So, four and a half stars. This was really good. I enjoyed the, I'll give it the same rating. I, I enjoyed how I, I enjoyed how different this match was. It went from the submission style to the to the, the, the combat style 
to the super to the, the grapples. I, I, I enjoyed how different this match was and how it evolved. So, yeah, I think four and a half is a good rating. Greg, um, I'll go just a little bit lower because uh, I did like the other matches a little bit more. So I'll go four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. Oh yeah. I, I liked all three of these matches. I gave each of these matches four and a half stars. So I thought, let's go to Valentine and Backland. Um, so this this to me, I wrote some notes before the match even started. This I I wrote down the date for twenty three eighty four. Hogan won the belt one twenty three eighty four. Okay. So this was three months after Hogan won the belt. Uh-huh. So this is such so. This match is such a culture shock to what WWF would become. You know, this is very gritty, very almost dirty how mm-hmm. the wrestle the wrestling w- was in this match compared to how clean, polished everything would be in like 85, 86, 87. Mm-hmm. I this was honestly my favorite match, I think, because okay. well, so the first thing is going in um, when I was really young in like elementary school, I always remember my friends talking about this wrestler who had the cross face chicken wing and nobody could get out of it. And he had this whole challenge, but I never picked up on who the wrestler was <laughs> until honestly, <laughs> like two years ago. Um, it dawned on me that that was Bob Backlund. And so, but I'd never really seen any of his matches. And I, I feel like he was the, the man of his era. But yes. About yeah. In the same terms as San Martino, Hogan, Austin, Cena, as being. No, he's not. The big guys. And so it was really, in, so I've never seen one of his matches and I was excited to see what all the hype was about. And he pulled me in immediately. There was something about him that, that I really liked this match. I really liked this match too. And I, I thought he had a certain resiliency about him. That was very good. Um, yes. His selling was very good. So it was Valentine. Valentine was really good in this match too. But Backlund was the star. What Backlund was the star of the show. But Valentine right. was really good here too. That's what I wrote down. Is I have not seen something like this in probably ever. This was amazing. It, it is quite a thing how underrated I would say Greg Valentine is. Like you mentioned, like all those, like all those dudes in the in the mid in the late eighties of Hogan. And uh, uh, obviously, back when we talk about, and then you got you got Sheik in there, you got Slaughter in there, you got Savage in there, you got Warrior in there, you got all these heavyweight stars, and then you got Greg Valentine, who seems like one of those incredibly underrated guys who really did his thing and really handled business in that time period. And I'm glad he got a chance to to shine here in a good match like this. Yeah, and he was also a very good brawler. He, yeah. he had that. He was also in that fam- very famous dog collar match with Roddy Piper in in NWA um, in '83, and they brought him in in '80, and WWF brought him in in '84 as part of the expansion, and and 
Greg Valentine is the perfect example of a good veteran hand. He will sell his ass off. He will do everything he can to get the the baby face over. And wrestling needs more people like that. I'll wrestling that. needs more people who just 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 because I think the problem with today's wrestling is everybody's shooting for the top, but they don't know they don't know how to be satisfied with just being a good solid veteran hand. Like Scorpio Scott Scorpio Scott is the perfect example of a Greg Valentine. Okay. Um of of the era. Like Scorpio Sky is like good solid veteran hand. AEW in AEW. I would say Cesaro would be WWE's equivalent to this. Of a guy who is we all think he can make it to the top area, but he just puts on overall really, really good matches. And this is an overall very good piece who can wrestle with every, pretty much every kind of style and every kind of opponent. Uh, so I, I would argue in WWE's case, it would be Cesaro. Right. Right. Um, but back when there was a sense of urgency in this match, it was a different kind of sense of urgency than the Otsuka Ikeda match. Obviously, and 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 to these next two matches are very similar in how they were worked because I think both these matches are master classes in how to sell. Yes. Yeah. Both these matches. Yes, Greg. I was just gonna say I love Captain Lou Albano, and it was great seeing him. (laughs) That was good. Yeah, that was definitely. Yeah. Yeah, um, Lou Albano was fantastic. It was fantastic <laughs> seeing him. Fantastic seeing him in, in this role. The Val- Valentine promo was very good at the start. Uh, yeah. It, it, the whole thing felt like a, match, like a big-time boxing match with the uh, like annou- ring announcer and everything. Yes. And have that you, whole have evening, you, though. They, not, not just what, that match. The, two, the matches beforehand with, with Slaughter and Sheik. And um, and the first match they that I was featured in the garden that night, like and, yeah, it I felt mean, it felt like a boxing environment. Like, I mean, you I mean, the New York State Athletic Commission, like the, the whole deal. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard managers announced before either. No, yeah, not, not yeah. Fashion, no. Not not in this fashion, and that's what WWF did so well back in the day, back in like the late seventies, early eighties. They made it feel like feel like this almost sport like but but yes. they, you still had wacky characters right yeah there was still an aesthetic to yeah like you like they mentioned the ref when the ref got booed got a little bit of heat from the garden crowd like you mentioned finkel got booed a little bit like it was it it, it had that kind of uh presentation it was kind of a hybrid station and yeah like what you said like what it used to be yeah, because this was as Vince was trying to. Vince didn't even like this. <laughs> well, you know, they were shooting. I mean, I I did a little bit of wrestling as a kid, like legit, like amateur wrestling, and okay. I can tell you, 
what Backlund was doing, the whole getting on all fours, the way he was shooting for the leg, like that mm-hmm. was all legit. This looked like you were watching a wrestling match, like an uh, like Legion wrestling, like Legion, or, yeah, like Legion or, or Olympic wrestling, yeah. Yeah, they were putting on holds, and like you guys have been saying, like that they were selling the simplest things as if they were so painful. And the uh, the uh, commentary was great too. They were putting over like, yes. oh. That's- that's a, such a painful hold. Oh, he's going to go for this. And that really tears at the ankle or something like that. And not screaming gibberish at you. Right. That was, that was so refreshing. <laughs> not screaming like useless gibberish at you. You know? And I think commentary, even AEW does it better than WWE, but but both commentaries just fail at they're trying to trying oversell it. They try to over like oversell. Try to it. Yes. So th- this stars. This was excellent. Um, um, um. I love. I love. The finish was a little anticlimactic. Um, with the uh, figure four on, he had the figure four, but he had to let go. And then he was arguing with the ref, so Backlund took advantage of it. But I'm not going to knock it too much, you know. This was really good. I wasn't into this as much as the as the, the Japanese match we just discussed, but I gave it four and a quarter. But I, I thought it was still pretty entertaining. I do wish the crowd was into this a little bit more uh, compared to the, uh, the Slaughter Sheik match that happened earlier on in that show. But I thought it was a pretty good match overall. I thought it was uh, pretty good overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm ac- <clears throat> excuse me. I'm actually giving this five stars. I love this. This mm. is my favorite of the matches. Um, I I I get what you're saying about the crowd. I liked at the very beginning there was like a single sign that said, I think it said Jacqueline, you're our champ or something like that. Yeah. And and it was the wrong your, and I was just like, oh man, even back then, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I I really really like this. I actually loved the ending. Um. We got to see that classic spot where where Greg uh, grabs the ropes and uh, and Backlund pulls him and and like slams him down. Um, but I thought this was a a wonderful way of using the surprise roll up that we don't really see uh, in the modern day. We'll see a million surprise roll ups on Raw, but they're all just stupid. I liked how there was a bunch right. of near falls. And then, almost out of desperation, Backlund does the surprise roll-up. And it gave and the heel a chance to, you know, get heat afterwards. Like, oh, man, I, I lost, you know, by, by not cheating, but, like, you various. Like, oh, sheer luck. Yeah. And, sure. and that gave a chance yeah. to go after the ref and cause a whole kerfuffle, which, you know, that's sports entertainment at that point. But the right, right. itself was... Uh, just I, I really like it for its shoot style. That was really, really cool. Yeah. Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Henning. A master class. Yes. This was a master class on um selling, on technique, mm-hmm. on on the simple things. This was very simplistic, yet 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 very very good. Very good. Very solid. Yeah, I felt like you could get into this match pretty much from the word go. 
just because of the styles that that both guys have, and how easy and how yeah, how easy and how simplistic they make things. Like like they could they could they were fluid. Both both guys were incredibly fluid. Obviously, Kerhanning always was. Uh, both guys were able to kind of sold their wares and make it and have some strategy involved here. Um, I, I dropkick is always, always awesome. Uh, it, it was a very solid, very productive match that really, it didn't really waste too much time. There really wasn't there too much. No, this felt, this felt like a struggle too. This yeah. felt like a struggle. This felt like a fight. Um, the crowd was very invested in it. Yes, they, yes, they um, were. Um, this was this was the rematch from the eleven twenty one eighty six match, which which was a Broadway. Um, so they were determined to see who was the better man. Um, which eleven twenty one eighty six is gonna be is gonna be on this show because 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 um because it's a great match. Um, and it will be on the generator, but. But overall, this was this was really good. Um, um, it's it's just really solid. Uh, Greg, what were your thoughts? Um, so going in, I've really only ever experienced nineties. Um, and and by the way, I gotta say it right. It's Hennig, not Hennig. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's almost one of those uh, Mandela effects, but um, it was really interesting to see him like super young uh, in his career. True, Whereas, not, not that not the charisma. That, that, that's true. I didn't notice the charisma in this match as much. Yeah, and and he just flew around a little more more fluidly uh, than he did in his later years. Um, I wasn't really familiar with Bachwinkle. Uh, other than his name, um, but he looks like he was just picked right out of I don't know, like the 1940s or something, with that leather <laughs> in and that bleach blonde curls. It looks like like from the gorgeous George era. Yeah. Um, and then just plopped into the late 80s. Um, it took me a minute to get into just because I felt like I needed that Larry Zabisco backstory. To, to really understand this. But then w- once like he started getting involved and I kind of figured it all out with the context, I, I really got into this one too. Yeah, like Zabisco probably wanted probably wanted Hennig to win, probably because he was the younger guy. He was afraid of Bachwinkle and Bachwinkle's obvi- obviously the better wrestler because Bachwinkle's more accomplished than Hennig. Mm-hmm. So logistically it worked and then so he gives Hennig the roll of coins and uh, after a nice sequence of near falls um including including an insane sunset flip which the height that Hennig Deaths on like sunset flips and drop kicks are, are amazing. Yes. Height. It's like Okada height. <clears throat> it, it, I, I think that's the that's a good that's a fair comparison. I think it's a very fair comparison uh, with, with the, the height of the uh, the drop kick. 
Um, it technique wise is was very solid. I, I just it was a four and a half star match that really you don't have much to say about because everything was just solid. <laughs> Everything did flow really, really well. I guess I didn't like it better. I, I, I'm on the four and a quarter, four and a half stick for it. I'll go four and a quarter for it. But I thought, I thought everything flowed really, really well with this match. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's like, it's like, what, what are your thoughts, Greg? Uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, four, four and a half. Um, it, it was, uh, it was definitely a good, like, kind of shoot-style match. Like you said, very similar to the um, the Backland match. Um, I was, I really got into the the ending uh, just because it, I, I kind of wish we would see this in in the modern day. Can you imagine if we were, like, reviewing tape and, like, a commissioner was, like, reviewing stuff after a match and uh, holding a belt like 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 the ending like this is this was an end of a pay-per-view too and at like this was the last 10 minutes of a pay-per-view like the whole controversy and like like everything like that like people people don't have the attention span for this anyone i'm like but this is great storytelling though he he says it's gonna take us a week to review the tape, and I was just like, <laughs> told somebody in 2020 that it would take you a week to review yeah. a tape for a sporting match. Like <laughs> that, that would be wild, right? That would be, so that would be wild. wild. All over a foreign object, which by the way is Sean Spears' entire gimmick right now in AEW, and they're not reviewing yeah. tapes for his matches. <laughs> No, they they ain't. But but we look at this and we see elements that are missing in modern wrestling that we could essentially put in modern wrestling. Yeah. Um, whether it is WWE or AEW, I I just think I, I've gotten so sick. I, I thought I thought Raw was my breaking point this week. <laughs> Hearing John, they they did retribution so dirty. <sighs> they they did them so so dirty. Um, that was dirty what they did to them. And it wasn't even just retribution. Matt Riddle, whether you like him or not, or whether he did what he. I, I I don't know, but 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 the goal of wrestling is to build future stars, right? And and the goal of wrestling is to put people over. Honestly, I think the guy that got put over was not AJ, but the dude on the outside. Yeah, the right. guy on the outside got put over to me, not Riddle or AJ. Uh, he was the guy that really stood out in that that whole situation. Yeah, I think that's a perfect example of losing does not mean burial because I th- I looked it up and I think Matt Riddle's nine and two on the main roster, so like right. it, it's right. not like losing all the time. And that no, was Riddle, that was Riddle's going to be fine. Yeah, that Riddle's was just going to be fine. Giant yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, he's getting the giant over. Right. Yeah. 
But Retribution totally got buried. That yeah, was... Yeah, and like the phony, like the, the the kind of promo that Ali did, like where he revealed he was a hacker, which we probably should have seen. We probably most of us probably do, but uh, yeah, no, the, the whole thing, the whole thing was just done so rushed and so badly done, just because it got Fiend and Alexa, and and, and they're they're starting to really they're hitting a real stride, I think. But, yep. but I, I think it was just so badly done the way they did Retribution on Raw. I like Ali. I like that they made him the leader, and I thought it was actually a pretty good promo, but it was all undermined by getting whooped twice at the yeah. start of the show. <laughs> and right. once single-handedly. Once single-handedly, and then once by the hurt, once by effectively Lashley. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, no, 100%. That, that, that's my pro- that was my problem with it. They should have revealed that Ali was the guy, but I think they should have did it like next week, or like have they some more hacker stuff happen. When they advertised it. Right, exactly. Like they advertise like they did right before WrestleMania, which like the stuff they did when they first did it, I thought was really good. I thought it was a good act. But again, it, it seems like I like I said at the start of this with uh, retribution, it could be a good group, but at least make it have a point. So far, you're, you're shooting your bullets, but they're all blanks. So you're, you're not bringing a point to this. Um, but but <laughs> it it it's it. it but we're getting John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston as a uh, okay, pay-per-view title ma- title match, and that's going to be so believable. Yes. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would? Uh, this is why AEW is so superior. <laughs> would anybody have thought Eddie Kingston would be getting a pay-per-view title shot six months ago? No. He wasn't even in the company six months ago. <laughs> but that, that's going to be incredibly – that's going to be a fight. That, that's going to be a straight-up fight. That screams straight-up fight. I'm excited for everything with AEW. They they have just pulled me in so much with everything they do. They got some stuff. Yeah, they got some good stuff going. I gotta, I gotta say, they got some good stuff going on. They really do. Like they're gonna, they're gonna pull, they're gonna do MJF Jericho, which is gonna be a huge match. Um, yeah. Um, Bucks FTR. FTR has a little bit has a hasn't performed as well as I would like them to, but but still, Bucks the, FTR. Had the chance to have a signature match. I don't, I don't think they've had the chance to have a signature match like they did when they were the revival. I think that's the thing that they're looking for, and then once they get it, I think then that's the they hit their stride, their, their true AEW stride. You had you had the chance with Omega and Paige, and you sort of failed with Kenny Omega. So right. I, I'm I'm a little wary there, but the Unbox are a great worker, so and I, and I, people I, are more divisive. It seemed like they've been building that match for like three years. Because like, we, what was the conversation for like three or four years? Like, what was, who's the best, who's the best team in the world? Was it Bucks or Revival? Like, like that, that match for like three years. Like even like uh, the Bucks and the and the uh, the Bondi Elite stuff like, before the Revival came, before they were in the same company, where, where they were all right. like, kind of clapping the Revival time and time again on, on social media. Right. So, like, I think this has been building for like three years, and I, I right. think they're, they're going to have their, their signature, that signature match. For FTR. Right. Right. So it, it it's gonna be really good. And then the G one, 
the G one was was really good. Um, Kota Ibushi wins it for the second year in a row, um, and really is striding into Wrestle Kingdom as there's going to be some Bullet Club fraction, fractioning. Osprey's getting his new stable. This is a completely new era of New Japan. Mm. So, so the Okada era is over. Um, is bit, and Okada's still in the company. <laughs> That's freaking funny to me. Maybe it's just Okada passing the torch, perhaps. I mean, that, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Like, like, like he doesn't need to be the champion anymore to be the best guy in the world type of dude. Uh, that, that's yeah. Kind of what that, that's what that sounds like. Where Okada's gonna like spend some time, like, okay, he's gonna put over, he may put over some guys and kind of say, oh, I beat Okada. That's my signature win. Like, where, where Okada's gonna put, put on some good matches, but I think for a while he no longer has to be the champion. And right, I think he right. still be regarded as the best, the best wrestler in the world by a whole lot of people. Right, right, because Osprey did beat him on the last night with help, um, and they, they set up the story, and it, 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 it's gonna be, it's got, it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do with Okada and Osprey for Wrestle Kingdom. But plugs, plug a plug, plug. Twitter.com slash Beast Mike where you can find me. I will naturally be tweeting uh, about the various things that will happen. Obviously, NFL tomorrow night so with Eagles and Giants in this area. So this is kind of big. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Naturally, I will be tweeting. That, that will be a conversation. That will be a conversation for off the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will certainly be uh, tweeting. Uh, I have been tweeting about Tua Tonga Maloa. People know me. I, I am a Dolphins fan. So uh, Tua getting the start is going to be is going to be his time after the bye. Uh, Miami. I think that was the plan all along was for uh, Tua to get the job after the Dolphins bye. The, the thing that kind of roughed up the plans a little bit was the bye was week seven as opposed to eleven. But I think I think it was I think this was the plan all along. I'll be tweeting about Penn State. And their game in Indiana on Saturday, and if there is a game five, I will be there. On I'll be in DC on Sunday uh, for the World Series. Um, Greg. Yeah. Um, you can catch me over on Twitter at PSU Optimus. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm probably gonna be tweeting about Penn State as well. Uh, my other projects are. Uh, on YouTube and Instagram, you can see me at Wrestling Optimus. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of reviews over there. I'm going to be doing predictions for Hell in a Cell and a review of that. Um, and I'm currently, by the way, building a custom stage for my action figures for AEW. And it's going to have lights and sounds and a video screen and everything so you can see all my progress over on Instagram as I build that thing. I've seen it. I've seen this progress. I, I've been, I live 10 minutes from Greg, so, so okay. I've been over his You've house, person, so right. I've seen, I've seen it in person and it, and it's going real well. <laughs> nice. So, so, Twitter, you know what I'm tweeting about. Notre Dame football, wrestling, um, and various other things. 
Um, it's basically it for Great Match Generator this week. For next time on Great Match Generator, we go into the 90s for New Japan Pro Wrestling and do Tatsumi Fujinami versus Great Muta. Then we have a five-on-five elimination match as Antonio Noki, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, Seki Sakaguchi, Kentaro Hoshino, and Keiji Muto face off against Tatsumi Fujinami, Riki Choshu, Akira Maeda, Kengo Kimura, and Super Strong Machine from 1987. It's a five-on-five elimination match, and those New Japan elimination matches are always fun. Um... Billy Robinson versus Giant Baba from 72486. And then Bob Backlund. We go see our friend Bob Backlund again versus Sergeant Slaughter this time from 32181. So I hope you can join us next time for a great match generator. I'm your host, DJ East Mike and Greg Brown. Thank you for listening.